You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Star Wars 7x7 episode 916. Building on the conversation yesterday about Chirrut Imwe, I want to talk about Baze Malbus. And I also want to talk about what happens to a Jedi when it is his or her time to die. Punch it, Chewy. Hi, this is Alvin Johnson with the 501st Legion, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And let's not forget Baze Malbus in all this conversation about Jedi and Force users and all of that sort of thing. Baze Malbus, in fact, according to Chirrut Imway, was once the most devoted guardian of the wills of them all, which has to be saying something, I would think. That, of course, opens the door to some backstory. Was there some particular event or anything like that that caused him to lose his devotion or for it to wane in the face of the devotion of others? But... That's something that I guess we can pursue for another time. In the meantime, the question stands, as it does with Chirrut Imwe, whether he is a Jedi himself, and if not a Jedi, then is he another stripe of Force user? I don't think I've seen it suggested anywhere that he is, and I find that rather hard to believe, considering that he is one of the Guardians of the Wills, and that they're all about guarding the Kyber Crystals, and you would think that there would be some sort of sensitivity, some sort of attunement that would even draw someone to that kind of position in the first place. But there are a couple of reasons in particular why I think Baze must be some sort of Force user as well, even though it hasn't been suggested. The first reason has to do with the fact that I don't think he misses a single shot in the whole of the movie. And in particular, how do you shoot half a dozen, was it half a dozen? At least it was a half a dozen stormtroopers. And make sure that you don't hit Chirrut Imwe in the process and do it as quickly as he did. How can you possibly do that with a giant cannon like that and not have some sort of force sensitivity, some force usage guiding your shooting of that giant cannon? Think about the way that he rained down cover fire for Jin and Cassian to get off the platform on Edu when he was shooting the stormtroopers as they were coming out of the base there. Yeah, I don't think he missed a single shot. I think he hit every single stormtrooper that came out of there. And then, of course, there's his last stand on Jetta where he stumbles out after Chirrut has bit the dust and he starts shooting death troopers one after the other after the other after the other. And I know that part happened while he was chanting, the forces with me and I am one with the force, but he wasn't chanting it when he killed all those troopers on Jetta, and he certainly wasn't chanting it when he killed all those troopers on Edu. so I don't think he needed the chant to be one with the force. I think that's the chant of a man who is trying to focus past his grief to readjust and realign to the situation at hand, get himself in the present moment, and do the job that needs to be done, which is take out those death troopers which I will say is not the best fulfilled job. I don't mean to say that he didn't do a good job of killing the Death Troopers, because he did. But one of the things that 
has been observed about Rogue One, and I think Bobby Roberts was one of the ones to point this out first to me, is that everybody who is in Rogue One on that team has a job to do, and they're pretty much killed off right after they do the job. Bodhi Rook getting the communication out to the Rebel Alliance killed pretty much right afterward. Chirademwe flipping that master switch killed right afterward. K2SO helping Cassian and Jin find where the Death Star plans are inside the data vault killed right afterward. Jin and Cassian, once they get the Death Star plans sent up through space to Admiral Raddus, killed right afterward. And by the way, in case you are unfamiliar with Bobby Roberts, he is the former host or co-host of Full of Sith, one of the highly esteemed and long-standing Star Wars podcasts out there. He is now a podcast forced ghost at large, guesting on other podcasts and has been a guest a couple of times on here as well. But back to the point at hand, which is that in light of everybody else's jobs, then Baze's job was to, what, kill all those Death Troopers before, what, the Death Troopers killed those few troopers that were huddled inside the entrance to that portion of the, oh, I think it was probably even just not even connected to the tower. It was the entrance to whatever little shuttle that brought people from a landing pad to the tower, which incidentally is an interesting echo of Return of the Jedi with Han and Leia trapped inside the doorway of that bunker. It's a similar kind of situation. But the Death Troopers were not really shown to be that overtly dangerous or worse than the Shore Troopers or the regular Storm Troopers in general. I mean, what did we see of the Death Troopers? We saw them burn a house on Lamu, where Galen and Lyra and Jin were hiding out, and fail to find a hatch where a little girl was hiding. We saw them shoot down a bunch of defenseless engineers and a firing squad on Edu. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, and maybe look a little more menacing, perhaps, but... Uh, I mean, I think they were pretty effective on the beach at Scarif, too. They certainly racked up their share of kills. But, yeah, Baze, comparatively, I think, did not have the best assigned job, as it were, in the whole of that Scarif battle compared to what Bodhi and Chirrut and Jin and Cassian and K2SO had to do. And that all being said, the one other thing that makes me think that he had to be you know, if not Jedi, then Jedi-like, certainly Force-sensitive Force user, is the fact that he seemed to know when it was time to die. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that after the break. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. You're listening to this podcast. Maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story, too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7X7. Welcome back. All right, so... When it comes to K2SO, he is fighting until the last, until he can't fight no more. When it comes to Bodhi Rook, he is doing what he can and has a grenade thrown at him, and, you know, oh well. But Chirrut and Bays, they accomplish a job, and then they say, oh, I guess that's it, and they just accept the fact that they are about to be killed. And where have we seen this kind of behavior before, you might ask? Well, it would be in Revenge of the Sith, when Palpatine executed Order 66 and the clones all turned against the Jedi. So we saw a bunch of Jedi getting shot down by clones on a bunch of different planets. And did we see, did we see a single Jedi fighting back against the clones, attempting to fight against the clones? No, we did not. 
I've seen a number of theories as to why this is the case, and some of them are supposed to stand for themselves, and some of them are supposed to be combined together, things like the element of surprise and the fact that clone troopers are essentially you know, clones of Jango Fett, so they are as slick and smart as bounty hunters, and that they are way more difficult to deal with than, say, a bunch of droids from the Trade Federation, which, yeah, okay, I agree with that part just in general, but... I don't think those arguments hold water. I think of the moment where Kia D. Mundi is trying to take the attack to a bunch of droids and he charges and he's looking back at the clones going, why aren't you charging with me? And that's when they open up on him and there's a moment where he realizes what's about to happen. You can see it in his face and that's the moment for me where I think to myself, these Jedi not only know what's coming, but they also know that this is the way it's supposed to happen. They actually have a sense of what their own death is supposed to be like. Maybe they don't know about it years and years in advance or anything, but I believe very strongly they know in the moment that, okay, this is the way it's going to go down, huh? Well, here we go. And that's why they don't fight back, because they know it's their time to go. And so when you look at Baze and Chirrut in Rogue One in light of that, you realize that they each had their moment where they said, okay, it's time to go. Chirrut didn't beat feet away from the master switch after he flipped it. He was like, nope, this is it. Now I'm gone. Baze Malbus didn't try to scramble away from that death trooper that fell down next to him with the grenade in its hand. He just looked back at Chirrut and said, yep, see you in the afterlife, Chirrut. So that is my case for Baze Malbus also being a force user in addition to Chirrut Way and one who is so in tune with the Force that, like the Jedi, he knew when it was his time to go, just like Chirrut knew when it was his time to go, and they let the Force take them into its arms to become one with the living Force, which, hey, you gotta go anyway, so why not go with the living Force, right? So, I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of this. Please do chime in at the comments of the blog post for this show's episode at SW7X7.com. And that is going to do it for today's podcast. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go jumping out skyscraper windows, check out SW7X7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash SW7X7. It's not a shapeshifter, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly!